what that is, is is moving with the rhythms of something greater. Art is prayer. For me, calling on something, something beyond yourself and allowing yourself to be open enough to be moved by the rhythm of this universal energy. That's Sylvie Kettle and you're listening to The Beginning of Us. I feel like something is rapidly transfiguring in my core of being an awakening of sorts. The Beginning of Us. A raw conversation hosted by your main fucker, Billy Otto. Pulling apart what it means to rebirth, to rewild, to be curious and to rechild. My most beautiful podcast family, it's such an honour to be coming back to you again with another gripping episode. Yes, the world is in a different estate at the moment and I just pray that you're in a place of love, ground of being, isness. Can you please just take a deep breath with me right now? Yeah. Stillness, rest, peace. Calm, serenity. Ah, just finding joy in that inner space. I just released a new song. It's called California, and it's all about processing grief and coming through and surrendering to the calamities of life. Link in bio. But right now, I just want to say that. This episode that you're about to hear is um, pretty raw. Trigger warning, there's some swearing, and we talk about some pretty heavy subjects. Sex, abortions, creativity, family trauma. Yeah, this might bring up a lot of stuff for you. (laughs) But um, Sylvie and I, my my beautiful partner, we, um, we truly entered a space of catharsis as we uttered these thoughts on our family couch. Love you. The beginning of us. Hey fam, welcome back to The Beginning of Us with Billy Otto. (laughs) I want to welcome to the platform the goddess of reason, my absolute best friend, my divine anchor of truth, my queen of intellect, my inspiration, my muse, my devotion, the crystal witchy lordette of Kudjan, <laughs> painter, artist, philosopher, part-time yogini, love of my life, and gourmet cheeky cook. <laughs> cheeky cook. <laughs> love you, babe. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you, my love? So, so good. It just started raining really heavily here in Myokum, in our new spot here. So it's just beautiful. For those of um, you that are not watching us right now, um, where are we and what's going on in this space in which we are dwelling? Well, we are so honoured to have found our very special home for a while, I think it will be. Um. Yeah, in the Byron hinterland in Myokum here. We're really close to Mullumbimby. Just so happy, nesting, creating our space, 
cooking every day, gardening. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's felt really right. Um, <coughs> a while ago, I think a few months ago, we really kind of put it out there to the universe that we wanted to have our own place and mm. we tried to get so many different places, yeah. application <laughs> after application, disappointment after disappointment. I was living in the share house, which was fun. Sylvia was living with her parents again. And mm. we were just over having these, you know, sleepovers at each other's places. And we just longed to start our own space. Yeah. But this was like, I think a bit of a gift. It kind of just happened. Totally. Um, I think house is a bit auspicious like that. Yeah. Sort of come to you at certain times, and like the deja vu that occurs with certain places that you live. Yeah. You just know, like, when things don't work out for a while, we sort of got to a place where we were a bit like over manifesting the dream. <laughs> we're like, yeah. just give us a house already. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just keeping our love alive through going on little van trips to Byron. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we like once a week lived we, in Watergo's car park. <laughs> yeah, just so that we could be together. Babe, I honestly love living with you. Oh. Like it's so fun. Like it's literally like the world shut down again. Yeah. Um, we can't even travel like really <clears throat> 20 minutes away. But um, just waking up yeah. to you and feeling your body next mm. to mine and mm. um, just cooking with you and, and dreaming and crying together and... Um, I yeah. just wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty um, interesting context we're in right now to have this this yeah. home and just because we can't move around as freely as we would normally. So just really focusing on what is present here for us in our immediate yeah. surroundings has been a blessing in some ways. Yeah, Right now, Sylvie and I are just looking out onto this grassy field, mm. some eucalypt, some um, jacaranda trees, a magnolia in the distance. We've got cows and horses around and there's just something really <coughs> profound about being in such close proxy to nature, um, to birds, um, to grassland. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I could ever really go back to suburbia yeah. after living like this. It's pretty funny because you were kind of a bit more of a city boy. <laughs> Give me a bit more time in the city, babe. Yeah, Chicago, Sydney. I just wanted to live in town deep down, but yeah. I don't know, I'm a farm guy now. I've just adulting, Converted. 33, ready for retirement. Just, yeah. But I think that's just the nature of life. We kind of oscillate between extremes yeah. and polars and it's kind of beautiful. Both is perfect. Yeah, we both. could be living in Paris in a couple of years. We don't know and who knows. Mm. But um, it's all beautiful. It all belongs and both yeah. I think you can thrive in. But particularly <laughs> the spaciousness in which we live has brought fruition to a deeper inner spaciousness which to me is like the highest currency right now is what I've yes, found as an yeah. access point is going inward, just being in this zone of minimal. Mm, that's so true. Mm. Yeah, how your outer world can sort of affect your inner world in that way. Yeah, yeah. So beautiful. Um, yeah. Babe, I wanted to start with just just talking a bit about our relationship and... Um, yeah, because it's been over a year now since we've been hanging out and 
you've really opened up so much in my life. The first mm-hmm. day that we ever hung out, we were doing yoga, we were painting together and listening to, to George Harrison, my sweet Lord, give me love. And mm-hmm. out of the gate, you were like an immersion into exploration and deepening and vulnerability um, and like incredible pillow to land on after quite a t- tumultuous year and years of my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think you had any agenda to heal me or to bring me deeper, but it was just what occurred. Like it, it, yeah. it literally gave life to my inner being just from being around you. Wow. And um, really expediated my, my heart growth as a man. Yeah. 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 What do you think about that in terms of like people often say that like someone caused something in them but really, like, this is probably something that was sort of brewing for a long time sure. and then you just maybe had the opportunity to open up in that way. Like, sometimes we, we have ways of expressing things that's like, oh, and this thing just clicked and, and yeah. now I am like I am now. I had this realisation, but it was only allowed because you were ready in sure. that way. Yeah, because people are like, I don't know, my life was like this on Wall Street. And then I went to a Coldplay concert <laughs> and my whole life changed Yeah, me whatever out. it is. And yeah. it's like, no, maybe the universe was conspiring <laughs> and maybe there was a million other elements in place and maybe there was a hundred different ways that you were opening your life in different ways and there was like a thousand micro moments and shifts that were happening and then yeah. a catalyst happened, which seemed like a catalyst. Yeah. Because so many people can experience the same thing um, but come out with with different, mm. different realisations or something may not affect them at all. And for others, it can be the most profound event of their life. Yeah. You know, so it sort of says something to you that like, I mean, it's so beautiful that... Um, you can sort of mark that change within our relationship, but also like honouring yourself that that was like such an opening at a time when you were ready, like completely ready for it. Otherwise it it wouldn't have occurred. Yeah, and I think (laughs) that for me, um, I had to be out of my natural surroundings to really Mm. be open to that moment. Um. Yeah. I needed to be out of Sydney, out of my religious family, tribal setting, out of my normal village. I was at a place where I was very open and overly open to making new friends and that was something you always used to make jokes about. <laughs> I was just like a bit wobbly and loose and just going to every party, having every random over to my house. And um, But like yeah. I was very open to new things yeah. and very much wanting to go on a healing journey and I didn't mm. have any pressure from my tribe, which was like my native habitat, yeah. where which kept me really comfortable in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's interesting even how we complement each other in those ways. That's like, I forgot what I was going to say. Because you moved my mic. <laughs> um, something about... We complement each other in those ways because... <laughs> I'm so open to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. How when we first got together and you were saying that you were really like wobbly inviting everyone over and I think like I sort of maybe inspired something in you just to sort of 
cultivate your like sacred space and honor that and your own, um, yeah, just spending more time with yourself and being more internal and not like giving your energy to everyone because you have a, a beautiful tendency to want to like host everyone and make everyone feel really good all the time. And then like vice versa, I was probably too far in the other direction where I was like probably very like overly protective of my energy, but you really help bring out in me a more an openness in that way to fresh people and a new community, Mm. which is really special for both of us. Yeah, super balancing. Um, Yeah. I feel like, especially living together, it's so funny (laughs) seeing our differences, but seeing how much we're amalgamating into like a little bit like one human in some ways, the way that we (laughs) eat (laughs) and what we like to listen to. We've got to watch that too. We've still got to individuate. We get a bit (laughs) detached. (laughs) But it is kind of funny. Like I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've just really enjoyed being around my partner so much. Like literally Sylvie goes away for a day and I love it as a man. I go surfing, I just make music all day. She comes back from painting, but I generally just really miss you in that time. Deep sexual longing, deep relational knowing and longing. And um, Yeah, I think like even a realisation for me, just getting to know the nature of our relationship and relationships in general has been like... I feel like most of it is just having a best friend. You know, (laughs) you just miss, it's like going back to school, you just miss your best friend. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so important to to have our own sovereignty and to recognise our individual beings and how we're, we're separate, but coming to an interaction in the space and together. But yeah. Yeah, because I think for me, coming from my faith background, (laughs) there's so much of a oneness kind of paradigm about Mm. relationships. You almost almost become one entity and I have to be careful to not shift too much into that to really be like Sylvie is her own beautiful sovereign woman and she's still curating and creating her own reality beautifully and it's different to mine. It's not just us. It isn't us. It's, it's, It's her and I. Yeah. You know, more so, I believe. I think in the, the Bible you learn about becoming one flesh and it's, I think just- Is, is that the words? Yeah, becoming yeah. one flesh. Is that, that a that marriage? Two, yeah, in Ephesians yeah. 5, and the two may become one flesh, just like Christ loved the church and gave himself a That's hurt. a lot of pressure, lot of isn't pressure. it? What <laughs> <laughs> if I don't want to become a two-headed one beast? Attached. <laughs> attached. Yeah. Because yeah. like even the other day, like um, Sylvie wanted to connect with someone that, like an old friend that she had like a love interest with. And for me as a guy, <laughs> like it, it definitely pricked something in me. This guy, you know, had a sexual relationship with her, had feelings, they had feelings for each other. They needed to kind of reconnect to kind of close some things off. For me, that was hard, yeah. you know. But part of my ego was suppressing her being able to go and connect in that way with a guy, just purely as friends. Um, Mm. But a huge part of me and my soul was like, let go, stay soft, stay open, 
let Sylvie, she intuitively feels like she mm. felt like it before and she feels like it now that she needs to spend just some time with this guy to kind of bring some resolution and, and peace in that situation. Yeah, yeah, and I think my commitment feels stronger when I have a sense of freedom within my relationship. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not polyamorous. Um, yeah. yeah, so just <laughs> in case you think you're going that going. way. <laughs> we're not going that way. Um, but I love that we have that liberty and that freedom and that empowerment to to talk to people that we have loved yeah. in the past, you know, and yeah. um, and, and, and who we currently a, admire. Yeah, yeah, and who we currently admire doesn't matter what the sex is. But I know that Sylvie, you trust my commitment to you, and I trust mm. your commitment to me, and that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I have something I love about um, our. What would you call it? A partnership. <laughs> um, is just our ability to express attraction to other people. Yeah. You know, it's so, it's, it's, I find it's like such a shame when um, you go into a, a relationship and then all of a sudden you have to close off. So you have to numb certain parts of yourself that. Yeah recognize beauty in others, in other men and other women. Um, but I love, I love to stay open to that, not necessarily having to engage in anything with anyone else, but but sometimes we come out of a situation and be like, how beautiful is that person? Like, mm, so sexual or like, so just <laughs> acknowledging like certain energies that we have. Totally. And it might even start with myself saying, man, that dude is so fucking <laughs> handsome. Yeah. And Sylvie will agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we just got it. And then like porously that moment passes through us and we're energized from it. But yeah. then we go on and we yeah. make dinner together. And yeah, it's not weird. There's no jealousy. We're not fantasizing about that person. It's usually just like it, it's like driftwood just moving through. And yeah, I love that about you, Sylvie. I find that you are <laughs> um, really anchored in love and super yeah. playful and curious, but still able to build beautiful, <coughs> strong, sacred boundaries within yourself. Yeah, which has just yeah, been so good one. for my head being like a fucking tortured songwriter. Yeah, what, the, <laughs> the simplicity of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really simplified a lot of things for me with yeah. us in life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting that of being a creative and not like encouraging drama in our relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's so nice to to be able to feel really anchored enough to go and create in other ways and not have to like worry about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like not, one of not the, that yes. we're perfect in yeah. any way at all, but it's, it's just, it's not complicated. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully kind of almost sanitized in that way. Like it's very like, we're very much like this. But um, I feel like the odds against us, as some people would think, is that because we're both artists that, and we're there both super melancholy, mm. deep empaths that far out, maybe that's really... Um, too much. Too much <laughs> and potentially going to put us out of balance. But what would you say to that? 
And what would I say? To- <laughs> yeah. Um, I think our creativity amplifies each other, energizes each other in in a lot of ways. I mean, it's not it's not always simple having like because we're both a little bit scattered and um, beautifully scattered in yeah. some ways. That yeah. um, just the nature of it. our work is not so defined and. <clears throat> <clears throat> it re- it relies on us showing up and having ideas, you know, that can be a lot of responsibility mm. sometimes. And if we don't have the structure around that, it can sort of um, bleed into our relationship mm. in, yeah, in ways that we would need to work through. But, um, but I, I think as well there is um, an acknowledgement mm. that we both are, do have creative minds yeah. like that. Yeah. And so we give each other a bit of, of grace. Grace, totally. Yeah. And I think it helps as well because we are of different disciplines within the artistic realm, you being a fine artist, me being a musician in the sonic world. And so you have a sublime taste of music and a great articulation mm. of what you hear as a non-musician, almost like a music critic. I came a little bit from the fine arts world. I studied fine art yeah. at uni. I That's so was in hilarious. <laughs> I painted so much. I thought I was going to maybe become an artist full time as well. But like, I'm, I chose the music path. Sylvie is superior in that realm, but I can still echo my thoughts as someone from out, outside her world yeah. and vice versa. And so, <clears throat> I think it's been really beautiful, babe. Because I don't yeah. find there's competition. Like when Sylvie's selling out shows and, and stuff with her art stuff, of course it can prick part of my ego, but it would prick it harder if she was a singer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly in the same world, selling more tickets than me. Like it would be a little bit harder, but I feel like there's less room for egos to get involved because we are kind of in different dimensions in that sense. Yeah. But completely speaking from the heart and we have the same, I guess, mission or intention in mind to bring love to the world through our craft. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's a really delicate subject as well. Sometimes when we when we do address each other's craft, there does have to be um you do have to be careful with the way that you communicate these things because it's so it's so delicate, yeah. you know, like yeah. these these creations that we hold so close to our heart. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think because we do, we both understand what it's like to yeah. receive feedback and really go into that with a softness yeah. and a trust that the other person is communicating um, exactly what they feel, you know. Yeah. Um, but also that even though we're of different disciplines, I think creative energy is creative it's energy. energy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and I personally, I really value like first impressions. If I'm like, Billy, you know, what do you think of, of this painting? And just to see it immediately and mm-hmm. um, how it sort of hits you on yeah. that first um, receiving of the, of the picture plane and how that sort of collides with you and your yeah. senses. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the way... When I have a new song and I show Sylvie, I always want to hear her first instinct on it. Um, Sylvie mm. informed Lady on making that track. She informed Let Me Loose. She informed California, like all my last three yeah. releases, which I think are my strongest releases of all time. 
um, and help put me on the map with radio and Spotify and different things. But Sylvie had a massive voicing in that because she is an intuitive. Mm. And I think, babes, because you were so open to that, so spiritually cognizant that you can feel things and, um, and see things that are blind spots for me. And I think yeah. that's the beautiful web of creativity if you're open to it is collaboration and the tribe is the biggest gift of heaven. The fact that we can yeah. like be extra ears for each other and extra eyes. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because I think some people would disagree perhaps, but I think with art, it's, it's just, it's so entwined with um, your whole environment. The creation of art is really an ecosystem mm. of all the people you know, um, your whole lifestyle, your environment, everything, you know, and how that interacts. So actually when I paint a painting, what comes through, um, I almost see as sort of um, a painting from my community mm. and um, who I've who I've interacted with in that time. I'm not necessarily drawing on any experience in particular, but I think naturally there's probably a lot of you, babe, that comes mm. through really, mm. you know. So I think there's a humility in that where we yeah. don't totally own our art, you yeah, know. It's beautiful. it's from so many different places that's like, I mean, it could be a past life, could be yeah. straight from God, I don't know. It could be the lemon in your water that morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you were probably, babes, one of the first awesome human creatures that really communicated the word channeling and that being like in a in a present vernacular of like yeah, mm. art is just channeling and it, it kind of helped yeah. to brood in me. It's like Paul McCartney like would always say, like didn't really know where songs came from and the greatest songwriters and painters kind of really use that language as well. The yeah. humility in knowing that any artwork is kind of, it's not really yours, any song. Yeah. yeah. Songs have already been written, like we're the carriers and that's where I think humble, great, famous, iconic songwriters, they always come to that same conclusion. Yeah, and I think um, ego can really kill creative flow in some ways. So I think having this mindset, even um, a lot of healers exclaim that as well, that as soon as they start thinking like, oh, like, you know, what am I going to diagnose this person with or like am I doing really good when it starts like becoming a bit more of a mind talk than the... um, the medicine is is less effective. So I think that sort of carries into art as well, that as soon as you start thinking in a sort of egotistical kind of sentence, um, oh, that stroke is really good. Like, oh, (laughs) it's so easy to fall into. Start thinking of elements that are outside of the painting, like how much money you're going to earn from this, maybe like what is trendy or... I don't know, you know, like what what you've seen your audience like. So disconnecting from that and moving more into the space of just coming with no intention and no agenda mm. to bring to the plate and just being open. Yeah. Like that's your that's your one job to just be open and to channel oh, with humility. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, babe. I, I wish that that could be taught more just in society of like yeah. what it means just to be, yeah. 
intuitive and open um, because, yeah, we're not taught that in our schools. Like we're not taught mm. to think from the upper chakras and to, 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 to dream and live from the third eye. Mm. I want to ask you more about the, um, your, your artistic process because I think there is this ancient kind of space that you come from, not only in life but just in the way that you work and, you know, you're 21, which blows away a lot of minds you know, we're kind of a little bit shocked by that and rattled and inspired and um, <laughs> that you can communicate like you do, um, that you can articulate your insights like you do, but you can also paint. And what you do to these canvases, babes, is, is changing the world and you sell out these shows. Um, um, but to you, it doesn't even seem like work. It doesn't seem like something that you're really grasping for. You're not grasping to sell out these exhibitions opportunities flow mm. into your life um, and you don't attach yourself a lot to it, but tell us about your creative process. Like all mm. of that, you spend four or five days in the studio every day in Kujin, but tell us about that experience. Yeah. Um, I think what helps, like you were saying, like not really seeing it as a job mm. in that way, taking yourself less seriously and also not being overwhelmed by the craft and the idea that like I could be a painter for the rest of my life or I could be a painter until tomorrow. Mm. You know, um, we often um, quote this beautiful saying, I, I would love to find out who said it, I can't remember, but um, they say, my commitment is to truth, not to consistency. And so I think that's something that has the potential to overwhelm me sometimes when I think that, oh, like when I think too like long term, mm. something that's really important for my practice is being present in that moment. And all I can bring is, yeah, is what I'm feeling in that, in that very specific collision of ideas and moment in time. Mm. Really, that's what's what is on the canvas is, um, yeah, this sort of, it's, it's a bit of a constellation and something that is, is not so much site specific, but, but it's this, it's this little glimpse, this little portal into, mm. into somewhere else. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Cause I think watching you work, you almost seem like a shaman to me or like a some kind of mystic where when you're in your realm and you're painting and you're throwing these paints around, it's just there's almost like a divine hand that's directing you. Mm. Um, and within a couple of hours, the painting's kind of done and then you might take a photo of it, you sell it and then you're done with it then you move on to the next thing. You don't mm. have a lot of attachment to your works. You don't yeah. create like a deity or an idol around that canvas. Whereas I think a lot of the time with my music, I struggle to finish it. Um, and then I get really attached to it and think, oh, this is the best thing ever. And I think one of the things I've really <laughs> learned from you is kind of just what does it mean to be in that creative flow, like a river? The river just is. Yeah. And it's just letting the water pass through. It's not a reservoir. Yeah. Um, and that's been a really clear take home to me, babes, of being less attached to my craft. Um, yeah. Which is like, as as Uncle Ron told us, 
no good art is ever finished anyway mm, mm. because it paints into the future yeah. or it speaks into the future. Yeah, yeah. There's, not, there's not a resolution, yeah. which I think can be said for life. There's so many beautiful overlaps between art, art and life in that way. Um, yeah, there's no resolution. It's just, it's just now. And it's really beautiful what you were talking about, um, that sort of crossover between like shamanism and healing and art. Mm. Um, I think probably there was, there was probably more of an acknowledgement of that um, a long, long time ago, you know. I think there can be a tendency um, these days to be a little bit dismissive of artists yeah. um, or on the contrary, the other extreme to be too like godlike. Yeah. In some ways, you know, we either like really worship like pop stars or actors or, you know, celebrities in that way or you're just, you know, like a struggling artist, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's not really an honouring of, of the actual craft and the energy um, that that brings to everyone, no matter whether you call yourself an artist, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, I think there is a beautiful, a beautiful um, congruency between healing and, and art. And um, I think it's just moving, what that is, is, is moving with the rhythms of something greater. Mm. Art is prayer, yeah. yeah. For me, um, calling on something, something beyond yourself, um, yeah, and allowing yourself to be open enough to be moved by the rhythms um, of this universal energy. Wow, that's mm. good, babe. Dropping some <laughs> bombs. <laughs> it's just like... Witching firmware, software. Yeah, art is prayer. Um, I was down at the New South Wales Art Gallery probably nearly 10 years ago and I heard an Indigenous artist say, art is nourishment. Wow. Yeah, art as a place of nourishment. I wrote it down and I got in trouble from my art teacher because he thought I was texting my phone, but I was literally like writing these <laughs> notes down. It was just like waxing lyrical to my soul. Um, and I think it is, like, closing up in this segment of our chat, it's just like, fucking hell, like, I just wish that we were kind of given more permission as artists to kind of just celebrate in art and play in mm. it and, and see what happens. But because mm. of capitalism, we have been placed on a conveyor belt mm. where we're trying to sell something, we're trying to keep up with what's cool and young and we're making a lot of shit that isn't timeless because... We're trying so hard to be so relevant. Yeah, and I think it, that sort of goes against the beauty of art is that it's it is sort of anti-capitalist. Yeah, in its essence, yeah. is that um, you can't you can't manufacture these things. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something sort of frustrating about my job. At the same time, is I can't order a hundred of them from another country. <laughs> <laughs> from China and and just fulfill orders like that, you know, it doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. So I think when you invest in art, you're investing in something that is that is so pure. Yeah. And um, yeah, reliant on 
on the senses and yeah. um yeah it can't be it can't be manufactured yeah, yeah. for sure um thinking of like Jackson Pollock, Black Pole or Blue Poles, Blue Poles, right? Or mm. thinking about John Lennon's Imagine, um, it's like that canvas and, and these songs, like who the fuck knows where these things came from? But these two 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 things, this, this canvas and this song have, have just become timeless voices, pan-generation, pan-culture, mm. it's... Um, and I think there is something so timeless in your work that speaks throughout generations, babe. Mm. And it's, I love that you do have, you have a heart for humanity and a heart for your planet that speaks through clearly through your art, but you're not preaching about it. Mm. You know, it's an essence thing. It's kind of yeah. like when you're around someone who is just such a beautiful, anchored, soft, aware human being, they don't need to say too much, but you walk away mm. energised, seen, heard, inspired, mm. empowered. Wow. You know what I Thank mean? Thank you, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's like. And I think a yeah. lot of people, like, they spend good money on your art because it's like it's a felt thing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I was going to say something to that. Yeah, I think that sort of crossover as well like that is something I I endeavor for in my life because it gets tiring talking about it you know I mean it's sort of ironic because we're doing this podcast <laughs> but <laughs> but um yeah I think that is sort of the beautiful thing of painting for me is that it's beyond words yeah you know um the the promotion is a whole a whole other side of it but I try not to get caught up in it that much and just just let the art speak for itself because you can Mm. go into this yeah this place of of creating and it's actually a space of living you know Mm. it's not just talking about living and how Mm. you do it yeah um yeah it's very momentary and um yeah the presence that comes along with that it's a living it's a living energy yeah yeah, sometimes we get a little bit too caught up in in telling people about what we do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I feel kind of silly when people ask me what I do or like or if people ask me about my process on things. Hey, man, um, so what do you do, Billy? Oh, I'm a musician. Great, man, what do you play? Um, <laughs> What's I'll your play band name? <laughs> oh, yeah, what does it sound like? Oh, somewhere between like Radiohead and the Beatles. Oh, Awesome. Where can I listen to your music? Great. Oh, so, you know, it's just yeah. kind of like just trying to classify art yeah. and having. In, I mean, interest my- in art is so beautiful. Yeah, it is. But um, <laughs> but I guess like I think people sort of said to me after my recent exhibition, like, "What, Sylvie? You've been creating all this time, like throughout the launch of your exhibition." And I was like. Yeah, that's sort of what I had to do to stay sane in a way because there was so much talk for me at that time of the paintings that it was like, it was like almost too much. I felt like a bit of a fake. I was like, I just need to do the work, you know? Do the work. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That kept kept me anchored through that time and feeling legit. (laughs) 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think I think we could both speak to like artists out there. Um, no matter where you are on the spectrum, um, you know, when it comes to pursuing a life of art, just fucking do the work. <laughs> I think that is so important. Like, yeah. just really sit with it. And because of social media, because of Instagram. Like we think, oh, I've only got a thousand followers and like people aren't like liking on my like photo. It sucks at that. Yeah. But that's an inhibitor I find. I feel like it's like really right now the best thing you could do is really just sit with your craft and create. And yeah. if you love it too. And like so and if you don't true. love it, if you're not playing with it, just do something else. But like go to art, sit in that space, in that citadel, in that river, get wet. Yeah. Drink it in. Because sometimes we get a bit caught up and both of us do sometimes in conceptualizing about it. I think it was, yeah, I think it was Stephen Pressfield, um, the author of The War of Art, who said, put your bum where your heart is. Mm, You know? And because that's often the hardest thing to do is really sit in the spot of. of what you're wanting to do. So, you know, if you want yeah. to be a writer, put put yourself in front of a notebook with a pen. Yeah. If you want to be if you want to be a painter, pick up the paintbrush. Like yeah. that that sometimes is the hardest bit of the whole process. Yeah. It's just putting initiating that um yeah. yeah, that original movement. But once most of the time, once you get into that into that flow state, then it all just ripples after that, yeah. unravels. And I think for people that are working like full-time jobs five days a week, like if you're seriously keen on like a career in the art world, it's about working four days a week and devoting a whole day to art. I feel like there's just like ways that you can, I feel like in the West mm. and especially in Australia, we don't really have an excuse. If we do feel like mm. we are called into it, Um you know, time is precious and I think it's just so honouring when you can actually create space yeah. for the art so yeah. you can really sink in. Yeah, Charles um, Bukowski uh, said something like, people are always saying to me, um, like postponing their art, saying, oh, you know, yeah, I'll do it. Right. I'll start it when I, um, you know, when I get that apartment or that studio to create or, yeah, I'll do it when I get, I have enough money to do that. Um, but the fact is, if if you're really yearning to do that, you would be finding any way for yourself to express express those those rhythms that are pouring through mm. you. You almost can't not do it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like so important almost for your survival. Yeah. Like you feel like sometimes if you didn't create, you would just die. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> it's like. Or like end up in some kind of asylum. Yeah, Honestly. totally. It keeps you sane. Like especially in these times where we don't know who to trust, where to get information from, the world shutting down, opening up, shutting down, whatever. It's like the most anchoring thing potentially other than just the natural world in our relationship mm. I think probably has been art. Um, yeah, it is nature, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Duality, my ego, duality, compartmentalised, categorised, <laughs> create a profile. I just want to, um, I want to dive into just quickly, babes, your family. So you grew up on a farm mm-hmm. with yeah. a family. Well, awesome actually, family, by the way. They're I, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on behalf of <laughs> Michelle and Um Yeah, I grew up in Mwoolumba, 
Um, but we've always had the farm in Kudjan in Kingscliff. It's called Farm & Co. Beautiful, organic, um, small crop, working farm that also has a, a cafe and um, a store. So, yeah. Cutie. Who's their social media strategizer? Uh, kettle pains. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see Sylvie's mom, Michelle, I just like, I nearly want to cry just because they look so similar. <laughs> and Sylvie gets so many of her, her characteristics from her mom and they have the yeah. same funny smile, similar eyes. And Michelle, if you're listening, this one's for you. <laughs> Dr. Kettle, your dad, Dr. Yeah. Ian. Yeah. Yeah. Loves a COVID chat. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah, we both come from families of four siblings. And how did you find yeah. being the youngest of four kids? How did I find? I don't really have anything to compare it to, to be honest. Being the youngest. Um, I don't know. It just is. Yeah. <laughs> How did you find being the second youngest? Well, I actually loved it. Like I loved coming from a big family. I loved having a little yeah. sister, um, a bro that was just a bit older. It was just nice having a couple of people older than me because they kind of experienced a bit of life and I definitely saw them as an yeah. example in a lot of things which gave me a lot of safety. You know, oh, they went to that school, okay, this didn't work for them and... Yeah, so I reckon big families are cool. I don't know if we'll have a big family. It'll probably be like two, maybe three. (laughs) (laughs) Sylvia and I talk about having kids all the time, to be honest. We love it. Let's talk about sex a little bit. (laughs) I feel really not not turned on right now, but just like sexually That was not a very attractive segue between the two (laughs) subjects. Oh, I, I just... Chronically, as an ENFJ, as an Enneagram 3, as a Sagittarius, I just overshare all the time. But I'm always very sexually drawn to Sylvie. And I think the reason why I wanted to talk about sex is because I feel like you exude a a, a deep, beautiful, potent, like, sexual energy. And Mm. you don't wear skimpy clothes a lot or anything or a push-up or whatever. Um, But... um, Not that that would be... Bad. Not that that's bad at all, but yeah. Um, but I find that you carry a real sacred sexual mm. cadence about you. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. And we have a great sex life. Let's just be honest. <laughs> it's like advertisement for our relationship. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think sexuality. for someone that's come from so much sexual shame coming from a religious family, it's just been really nice knowing that like you don't have the same sexual trauma in the same way mm. that I do. Probably yeah. in different ways you do. Um, but in a lot of ways, because I grew up in Ned Flanders' world where I didn't have sex till I was 30 um, mm. and masturbation was evil. Um, yeah. Talking about sexual things was difficult for me and I would propagate around the world market this thing of staying pure for God and remaining a virgin or if you've had sex before, how to cleanse your soul. Um, And so I think really resting in and nestling into my own sexual citadel Mm. has taken a bit of time. But I think, babes, you really helped me come into that as a man, helped me feel really safe. Yeah. To be honest, like that was 
that was a bit overwhelming for me at the beginning of our um, interactions. Um, because yeah, I've never really had anyone close to me who's really been through a huge deconstruction um, of faith mm. in that way. And the how that um, surfaces in so many different um, ways of life and totally. especially sexually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just even thinking like, whoa, like, I'm like the second person he's ever had sex with. Like, well, it was always a bit of pressure for me in that way. Um, but, but yeah, eventually just taking, taking my own um, ego out of it in that way and just allowing whatever it was for you to come up to, to surface yeah. um, and just holding space for that. It's a really, it's a really interesting um, journey that I never expected to to be involved with. <laughs> really, I mean, I grew up like a bit Catholic. I never really believed in it. To <laughs> be <laughs> baptized, to go, but without your consent, you were baptized. I was baptized, but I never really. I was always super curious about it. Loved like learning about different like cults and yeah different religions <laughs> and and things like that um but yeah but I never expected to learn about it so intimately mm. with a lover um so yeah it's been it's been really beautiful learning Sylvie recalls because on our let's just be honest on our first day we made love and it was amazing but um <laughs> you know part of me was like, oh my God, is this like a one night stand? Oh no, I feel bad. <laughs> and then part of me is like far out, saw Sylvie kettle naked. Oh my God, <laughs> boobs. Oh my God. And you I was like a little see kid it in, in a your candy face, store. <laughs> like just the excitement. <laughs> so pure I've never and done beautiful, this you know. So pure. I was like a 16 year old. So yeah, 15 years behind all my friends from high school. But um, yeah, but I think, mm. Sylvie, seeing that you're just so comfortable within yeah. your sexual nature and you're so comfortable to even talk about previous sexual experiences, like actually yeah. like was earth shattering for me and really <laughs> uncomfortable for me to begin with mm -hmm. because I'd been conditioned and manipulated in so many ways to really see no sex only between one husband and one wife mm. and whatever happens there happens there, but it's sacred and sacred and God mm. sees all and knows you. <laughs> and it was just like... Big brother. And so if you'd mentioned, yeah, I had this sexual experience with this guy in France, I'd be like, what? <laughs> and it would like rattle me for like <laughs> days. I'd be like, Triggered. Oh, oh, I love you, but that was really hard for me. And I'll just... <laughs> but like, you know... Because there was a little bit of an imbalance in that way. Yeah, for sure. Because like the beautiful gems that I took away from my faith is that 100% sex is sacred and mm. like I don't think porn is productive. I don't think it's good for the world. Like I don't think women should just be treated like pieces of meat in society mm. through media and like I definitely saw the sanctity of sexual expression but it was to such a, yeah. a right-wing It's the other extreme. Other it's extreme. a purity yeah, culture sure. in that way. Like purity a woman culture, think, has to be. Yeah, which is like equally tainted, you know, yeah. and so... But yeah, like um, you're about to say something. 
Oh, I was just going to say like, um, uh, <laughs> but like you're saying, because um, even in, in the way of religion, like it, it, it does, it goes to that other extreme where um, it is like, oh, like a woman or a man has to be absolutely like clean and pure before they, and have like a really like hectic commitment before they even engage in something like that. Yeah, sure. Like that, that for me, it's like so overwhelming that, that that's even a thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like it still astounds me. Yeah. This is this beautiful um, energy that I think should be should be disciplined, but free flowing. You know, when I think of of sexuality, I love just just imagining um, the energy as as moving. You know, mm. we have to keep it it moving and not um, suppress it. Or oh. it's like the worst thing you can do for anything. Hey? <laughs> Suppression. <laughs> Sylvie's met certain like Sunday Venice characters <laughs> from my past life. And sometimes her kind of utterance from those interactions is kind of like, wow, that was so interesting. And like I'll just be like, yeah, like we used to like talk about purity stuff. They've still they've still never had sex before and they're 34. She's like, no way, that's why. And yeah. people seem a bit different yeah. when that has been so yeah. repressed, suppressed. Yeah. But how crazy, like something that astounds <laughs> me is like even for you to be talking about this right now. Yeah. Can you please tell the audience? <laughs> Do you remember you told me about that, that thing that you used to pass around or something, the analogy for purity? Um, the Mars bar? Is it the Mars bar? Oh, no. The gas station thing. Oh, yeah. I remember one of the last sermons I ever made about sexuality was in front of high school kids when I was a chaplain. And I used to say this analogy of like, imagine there is a feast. All your family's going to be there. And the food is exquisite. Oh, man. And you've been thinking of it for a long time. Home-cooked meal. Home-cooked meal. It is... Uh, palatial, it's this spread for you. Oh my God, it's glorious. And anyway, on the way to this feast, you stop over at a gas station and you not only fill up with petrol, but um, you eat a Mars bar because you're like, why not? You keep on driving and the feast is still 10 kilometres away and you're like, why not? I'm going to go to that fish and chip shop, eat a scallop. It's just <laughs> a snack, right? <laughs> you keep driving, you're only five kilometres away, you're on the way to the feast, it's all been prepared for you, my man. And then you see a little hamburger joint and you just like know that this herb hamburger joint, they've got these mini burgers, you have a little bite of that and you get eventually to this feast but you're already kind of full. <laughs> You've had junk food along the way. And that's what sexuality is like when it comes to the sex experience. Is so yeah, like sex, <laughs> sex with your wife or with your husband being the feast, and you've yeah. kind of like you've um, tainted you, you've, you've tainted, you've cheapened that experience yeah. through having all these little experiences and become impure. Yeah. And so, so that's yeah, all just, these little kids uh, come to the front going, yeah, I looked at Paul this week. Oh, I fingered this person this week. Oh my God. <laughs> they come to the front. 
and get cleansed the by the priest. Oh my God. Yeah. So anyway, it's like- It still I've, surprises me. Like, oh, I just, oh. Yeah. And so in my life, up to having sex with Sylvie, I feel like any sexual experience that I'd had pretty much had been in secrecy. I didn't yeah. ever talk about it. And um, I definitely didn't talk to my parents about previous sexual experiences <laughs> or family, yeah. not even but jokingly. That's, that story is just a bit of an image of like the way that you were taught to see yeah. sex. Yeah, for Yeah, sure. that it is something that can be like depleted yeah. or like... Yeah, that you're saving it for this one grand moment. Grandiosa. Yeah. 100%. And anyone, babe, that I've talked to that's around my age who's been brought up in the same background as me, unless they've done a shitload of work, they still have Mm. struggles with their sexuality. Yeah. And they might be married, um, but they still feel a deepened state of shame when they interact with their partners. Yeah. Um, which baffles me and it just sucks that I was never talked about in my church setting was sexual trauma. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like I honestly feel like when we make love, because like sex isn't just a tool for us, like it's, it's mm. like anything, it's like eating a meal. Like it's, yeah. it's just all beautiful, creative dance, you know, it's symbiosis. And yeah, and I think it's still- such a, It's like meditation, I feel like yeah. when we make love still bringing that um, sanctity to it in the way that acknowledges like, wow, like sex can make life. Yeah. Like, of course, it's going to be like potentially one of the most incredible things that you can engage in if it has this capacity to actually like bring life into the world. Um, So I, yeah, I think I definitely like bring that to mind sometimes like wow like this this is so incredible yeah just yeah the potential of of the act um and the intention that you can bring to that and I don't think it necessarily has to involve love even though there's um there's a lot of love Mm. between us but um respect is is like so, so important. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think like you talking about um, me being like like more sexually free in some ways or your, your impression of me mm. originally, like that is definitely a journey in itself. Like yeah. it's not just um, because I didn't come from religion yeah, that totally. I, I'm just like automatically like this. I think, especially for women, there can be a lot of, a lot of shame mm. around um, having sex. And it probably, even probably does have origins in religion, just in sure. a society yeah. kind of ways, because we, we are yeah. built on, Osmosis. on um, yeah. Protestant principles. Protest- Catholic, yeah, yeah, totally. Principles. So, um, but yeah, I think like an experience, um, that is really marked in my memory was when a man said to me, um, like, I think I was sort of covering myself a little bit. I think I'm, I was maybe like a little bit embarrassed or like um, just my body langu- language wasn't completely mm. um, open. And he was like, Sylvie, like, what, like, why are you covering yourself? You're so safe here. 
Mm. Like you are completely safe. You have nothing, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. Um, You can express yourself in whatever way you want. Um, Don't, you know, don't hide yourself here. Um, It's a space of honesty, of truth and beauty. Um, Yeah, don't. Don't don't numb yourself in this experience, you know. And so I think that was like a, like a marked moment in my um, like sexual evolution in a way that was just like so freeing and so opening to to the wonders of of sex and um, yeah, engaging mm. in that in that way in that state of mind. Mm. That's so beautiful, babe. Yeah, I think at first as well. Your, um, your sexual experiences um, and because you've travelled the world and things, like I think it was like quite intimidating to me thinking that you'd been with different guys. <laughs> so my ego and my insecurity was just like, oh, my God, I'm inexperienced and, you know, she's seen so many bodies. Seen so many willies. Seen so many willies. <laughs> All these dudes from Nigeria, <laughs> Uganda. No, I'm just <laughs> No, that was a joke. But it's like, yeah, it's just general like male insecurities and any dude kind of has yeah. these in different ways. Yeah. It's just so funny and, and part the, of it is the taintedness of porn yeah. and, and media and what comes up. But like you've always really encouraged me to fully be in my body mm. and, and completely be present and, and going off what your, your ex-lover said to you. <laughs> 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 this is so, so cooked. <laughs> Was you're completely safe here. Yeah. Yeah, and in a place of complete reciprocated non-judgment. Yeah, and how that that is just also within most interactions. Yeah. You know, it's not sexual in in so many ways. If you are told that you are safe and you are accepted in any form that you present yourself in, Mm. then like, oh, my God, doesn't that just make you relax? Like... His shoulders just drop immediately, yeah. like yeah, and wow. uh, yeah. Oh, so good, babes. Because I feel like the way that you make me feel from living in intimacy with you um, is, I feel like a warrior. Like I feel like mm. I feel really sexy as a man. Like from yeah. from energy that you've showered me in. Like I feel so mm. in my body and so proud of my body. Um, I feel very much in my masculine um, yeah. and that I'm very much adored and reverenced mm. in that way. Mm. Um, and that energy and that access has really flourished into all parts of my life, into the way that I perform, yeah. the way that I carry yeah. myself. Because you can draw energy. on that that sexual energy yeah. in inappropriate situations. Yeah. yeah. Not just, or like in situations that are not just sex. Yeah, totally. But um, if you're, yeah, because sexual energy is beautiful. Yeah. Like, yeah, in the way that you write, in the way that you perform, yeah, you know, totally. certain situations where you can bring, yeah. Yeah, and that part to of that table. is being, is feeling really loose, almost mm. like I'm embodying like yeah. seaweed. It's kind of just yeah. this organic flow and, this zest and this curiosity and this passion yeah, and this sacred aggression and these different things and ravishment. Ravishment yeah. is translated into all parts of my life. Mm. And, and I can even, the way that I, I connect with someone on the street, like that energy comes out 
But again, mm. there's no jealousy from you. Mm. You know, it's like purely connection, symbiosis, and you move on. It's just this divine dance. Comes into my yeah. surfing. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like I definitely see it now. Like when I connect with certain people, like I, not that I want people to be like me, but sometimes you just sense that there is like a, a hardening in parts of them and mm. something that needs a, to be reawakened. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to say the words need or has, but you can see that there's a disconnect with that flow, that sexual flow. Yeah, like a word that and an image that comes to mind is like stagnancy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and because sexual energy as well is, is similar to creative energy yeah. in that way as well. There's so much congruency there. I think um, are they both part of the second chakra, you know, that ability to create. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think in my mind, I think of, of, you know, not allowing things to be stagnant. I want to yeah. live, I want to live my truth and I have an acknowledgement that that's always changing. Yeah. You know, so... Um, truth is this is this moving um, force. It's not something that can be written down or, um, you know, mm. it, it can't be explained in linear ways. It's yeah. a rhythm and um, it's all around us in so many beautiful ways. Mm. Um, so allowing that to be flowing freely and not, not stuck, you know. Yeah. I feel like because that's when you get ill, you know? Yeah, That's when totally. disease happens, it's stuck energy. Yeah, because um, even yeah. in the sexual experience, like all that blood that's rushing to your penis. Yeah, that's so true. And that circulation that's going through Flowing your body. Flowing juices. Like you come out of good sex and you create well. <laughs> yeah. You know, flow yeah. state. Um, yeah, because it's the same, um, yeah, with a painting or a creation in, in any way. Like if the energy isn't moving, then it's not working, you know? Um, it's not it's not easily translated. Mm. Um, and I think you and I both can feel when when a painting or, or a song is a bit like stuck. Yeah. Um, and so like our, my aim in that is just to keep it moving and keep it flowing. Yeah. 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 And sometimes to keep it flowing means going for a run or meditating mm. and... Mm but you're still evolving with the painting even when you're doing yeah. that, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that sort of comes back to this idea of no separation. Yeah. So, yeah, I think like our our sexual experience is also um, so connected to the food that we eat, um, mm. our movement, our, you know, our mm. exercise, our ability to... Um, think freely and not um, be weighed down by stress. And yeah. yeah, it's it's a whole, it's an all-encompassing sort of um, ever-connected ecosystem of of your life, of your yeah. lifestyle, which is the same with creating. Yeah. yeah. Flow state doesn't just come from a moment. It comes from this, yeah, this, this river flowing of, yeah. Um, yeah, the way you live your life. It's crazy when I started reading... Um, that one book by the guy that started Patagonia, like it's it's amazing. Yuvan Chunat's his name. So many of their first campaigns were against dams or the pulling down of dams, uh, and it's just wild. Like when you really do your research into 
mountain river systems, how it fucks up the whole ecosystem when you build a dam. Fuck, sure, wow. like you can get water, but there's other ways you can get water, but this is just such an antiquated way for... It's such a metaphor. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. Yeah. Um, like the salmon can't spawn like properly. They can't, oh, you know, it's God. like the whole... Yeah, stagnancy. Wow. Yeah, stagnancy. And it's so the these whole yeah. fish populations are just being decimated just because the flow has been fractured. Mm, same with monocrops. Yeah, and yeah. And so it's all connected. The same patterns are in everything. And We have um, this, this weird ability to um, block the the ever-changing ways of nature. Yeah, hey, humans, we love it. We love, love monoculture. We love clearing land. We are addicted to it. But to if, consistency, hey. Or like, yeah, yeah that sort of um, certainty. Yeah. Mm. Um, just before we move on, um, we met, I won't mention her name, but a beautiful Turkish lady in Yamba who has a ca- <laughs> cafe and she's probably like in her 50s or whatever, but we were just like, man, sexual energy. And we're like, yes. yeah, like it just exuded in the way she talked to us about coffee and food and Turkish culture. Yeah. And it was so attractive. So attractive. Yeah. She was just so in in her fire. And yeah. 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 It was magnetic. And I think um, sort of recreating our idea of what sexual energy is. Yeah. It's not just what we see on in pop culture. Yeah. Um, the Marilyn Monroe. And certain body types. It's, totally. It's an essence and it can exist at any age. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in so in so many different different ways. Yeah. Like you said, talking about coffee and it's like this beautiful, sensual experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm, it's beautiful. That's great, babe. Yeah, where I want to venture before we take a turn and start making dinner... <laughs> Babe, talking about sex, um, something crazy happened <laughs> in the <laughs> last year. And two days after Christmas in 2020, the year of crazy, we <laughs> found out we were pregnant. Yeah. Yes, world. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that I'm coming public about something that we had the journey through and yeah. a moment in time that became our greatest curriculum. <laughs> From the last seven or eight months. Yeah, our um, guru. Our guru, yeah. our yogini was right there <clears throat> um, in this heaven-sent moment, which especially for me instantaneously brought up a lot of weird trauma shit, a lot of shame mm. again, confusion as a man. Mm. Um, oh, babe, yeah. just sitting in that, let me hold your hand. <laughs> I love you and thank you for being willing to share this chapter of your life, of our lives, this part of your soul, which is tender. Yeah. But um, I think we know that this story is helpful in these times with what's going on in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really important to to normalise the conversation and not shy away from it because the truth is, um, yeah, so well, we we actually um, had an abortion. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah. The reason why I don't shy away from the conversation is that so many women have been through this experience, and so many more will go through this experience and this decision making process. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's really important not to sanitize. Yeah. the conversation because mm. 
you realize when we'll this is, yeah, no censorship on this. Just because um, you realize when you start talking about it, how many Out people like, yeah. oh my god, and so many women, but also guys, yeah, that haven't known how to be able to talk about it, and the shame of like it's. Um, it transcends mm. gender as well, but especially yes. for women, obviously, this conversation. But yeah. I'm going to go to the toilet real quick. Are we going to pause? Can I go to the toilet? Yeah. A wee break? Yeah. And so there, there is such a lack of conversation around this sacred topic. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I think it should definitely be normalised. Mm. Um, while still... Um, respecting the challenge of of the decision mm. and um, how monumental it is for a woman and for a man. Yeah, yeah. Um, for a timeline check, we were three months into our relationship, and we'd been mm. living together for two months in South Golden Beach with our good friend Charity. Um, life was all very new and beautiful and blossoming. You just moved back from Tasmania. Mm. We were coming to the end of the first year of COVID. It was summer. family around, Christmas time, like so much happening before New Year's. Yeah. But it was like, it was fucking hard. So hard. Um, Yeah. I was so scared. Coming from religion, a lot of shame there. My family's views, a lot of shame there. Mm. But just not knowing, because I deconstructed from all of my weird faith stuff, but like not knowing how to talk to you in that time and Mm. and how to give you space and your sovereignty in that moment when I was afraid, didn't want to become a dad, but not knowing how to give you full reins. Yeah, it was an interesting balance. Yeah, Yeah. and I didn't learn that quickly, you know. It took me time to kind of really come to a place of surrender where I could really be so completely open to both opportunities. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a fine balance between expressing, um, yeah, your fears and maybe uh, what, which way you would go and also allowing the woman to have com- complete freedom in her decision. Yeah. For me, like that was the m- single most important um, part of of making that decision was feeling a freedom away from the noise of um, of everything and to know that that you would support me no matter um, what mm. outcome we yeah. decided. Yeah. Because um, yeah. initially, babes, you really wanted to keep yeah. the child. Yeah. 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 I think it was, yeah, there was this really important oscillation I think that we went that we went between um, that allowed us to fully embrace both both choices yeah um, and I think yeah it was it was so important for us to really like go through that and live each and be like okay like yes we're gonna keep the baby like all right yeah um, and really feel into that and feel how that felt for us and then move um, to the to another decision and go and see how that felt, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I could not recommend enough, not only for this kind of decision, but for for any important decisions is just 
getting quiet and mm. really listening to to your heart, yeah. to to the universal voice, to yeah. yeah, because there's so many opinions that that come to play yeah. with with a decision like this. Yeah, um, I'm someone who processes it out loud, and my natural G um, knee jerk reaction was to kind of talk to close friends and random people, <laughs> which, which is pretty fucked up. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's some beautiful things that came out from sharing. Like initially, mm-hmm. one of my best friends is Kyle Leinhardt and I was just like saying, bro, I've got something to tell you. And he just guessed it straight away. He's like, <laughs> Sylvie's pregnant. I just know. Everyone yeah. Knew. So we've got really close um, surrogate family up here with our dear Byron family. And Kyle just fucking knew the bastard. Mm. But, <laughs> but the first thing he said to me, babes, I don't know if you remember me telling you this, was, bro, I just want to tell you that I completely 100% mm. believe in you as a young dad. Yeah. Um, the way you treat my kids, like you're destined for this. And then he was like, I love the way that you communicate with Sylvie. I love, I love mm. you guys together and you guys are going to be fun. You've got 10 years on what I was. I was 21 when I became a dad. <laughs> I felt all the same things of you as like hesitancy and this and that, but I got you back. And so it was cool. Like it was hard, but beautiful knowing that we had community that really believed in us yeah. to be able to do it if it was what we felt right to do. Yeah. Paul Rusk was the same. Um, but yeah. the best thing that we ever heard from anyone was I remember Rusk. Paul Rusk said to me, my producer friend, Billy, just tell everyone else to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> and and you just need to tune in with Sylvie mm. and, and that's all, just shut your ears yeah. and just go inward, go into each other. Yeah, it's so easy to, to get caught up in what other people want because it's such a sensitive, sensitive issue that it brings up so much in other people beautifully as yeah. well with sort of this sort of ripple effect. Some people, you know, going like, oh, my God, like, if you go through with this, I'm going to have to look after the child. Like, God, you can't do that. And then on the other... Your parents really be like that. And then on the other hand, um, other people going, no, don't go through with, um, you know, an abortion because I had one and this is how it went for me and I don't want that for you, you know. Yeah, and delving into that a little bit, that was hectic, Um, you know, I literally, because like I, I wanted to, I just was crying out for my mum in that time. My mum is one of my best friends. She was kind of giggling when I talked to her, to be honest. Mm. I think she's just like, oh, <laughs> Billy's got a new initiation. She's very yeah, much like a sage in that way, just like not perturbed by the wind of life. Mm. Um, but she very much is very much anti-abortion, um, mm. just like a lot of our Christian family, you know, in the world right now. Yeah, yeah, just to point out with that, even <clears throat> how far we have come in the abortion conversation that like thinking back to how it was in, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. Where like, I think mum was telling me that if you were Christian and um, you got pregnant, you would be sent away yeah. to to have a child um, in, you know, in secret or in some yeah. sort of institution. Kind you know? of like a convent. Yeah. 
and you would because it's serve, not yeah, yeah for one thing you can't have an abortion and then the other thing is you don't want to have a kid out of wedlock right yeah, you yeah, know yeah. so yeah yeah um my mum wasn't going to tell anyone but somehow my brother guessed what had happened because mum was shocked and was like, Jono, you need to talk to Billy. <laughs> and <laughs> either I'd kind of killed someone, won the lottery or gotten to be pregnant. Like it's probably one of those things, like when people go through crazy life changes. <laughs> That's yeah. A good one. yeah, but um, apparently my brother had a divine dream from Yahweh that I'd <laughs> gotten silly pregnant. <laughs> Yeah, but like it's crazy mm-hmm. because Jono was like offering me like a hundred grand to keep the child American, right? <laughs> American. He's done pretty well. He's made his millions through his like infomercial company as a filmmaker in the health world. Check out his website, it's great. But like, yeah, but Jono's one of my best mates as well. But like him in his best self, just trying to help me out, sending me like images of like eight week old fetuses mm. from abortions, early abortions, mm. treatments and like obviously like kind of not, you know, my family wasn't using like murder rhetoric but they kind of were, you yeah. know, seeing it as like a killing thing and so dealing with that kind of context was like fucking rattling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, was definitely... I was completely going against my family again. <clears throat> um, I wasn't religious anymore but I still had the pangs and yeah. the vestiges of that religion over me, and another way. And I love my family so much; they're still like my closest. Um, but I was the first one out of all the kids to kind of go through this kind of thing. I'm, I'm already living in Sydney with my partner; we're not married. Mm-hmm. And then I've mm-hmm. left being a preacher of the gospel to become a rock and roll producer. I'm living with my partner out of wedlock. I get her pregnant within three months. And part of me is like, oh, I'm just going to become that statistic. Oh, we got pregnant really quickly. Oh, shame. No, no, no. All these things, like, whatever. But even that rhetoric, like, I got her pregnant. I know. It's like, what? I know. Like, yeah. It cheapens the sanctity of that moment, yeah. you know, and, and that learning. Yeah. That um, was a, a whole other wave of release for you in that religious context as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I had to learn to like shut, close your ears to my family who had like been my anchor through everything, you know. Mm. So it was a new initiation as a man, a new rite of passage to rise up into my masculine, which I hadn't had to access for a pretty long time, you know, really getting in the driver's seat. Um, yeah. Because like even obviously like my older sister trying to call you and, you know, I don't know how you'd explain it, kind of like, God love rhetoric that sounds really beautiful and does I, come from a really beautiful place. Yeah, I think I think the thing often with different religious arguments is that there's so much truth in them, but it's not the whole truth. Yeah. You know, it's true yeah. that like it's oh, it's unbelievably true that that having a child is one of your biggest initiations and the love, I mean, I haven't experienced it yet, but the love that you would feel um, for your child. I mean, we did feel that love already, you know? Um, But yeah, there's this whole rhetoric around like, yeah, like, you know, it's it's the greatest love you'll ever know. And, 
you know, like I think it's it's going against nature to, you know, you don't want to interfere with that juju. And um, so there's sort of like interesting things that, that come to the surface there. But yeah, I guess like with a lot of different, um, yeah, religious dialogue is that, yeah, it is it is true. There's, there's so much truth in that, but it is also true that you can move through an abortion with love. Yeah, and with intention yeah. and awareness. Absolutely. It's not, it's not, I think with a lot of decisions, um, it comes to a place of, it's not like yes or no. It's like, whatever decision you make, you move through it with, yeah, with awareness, Mm. with intention and with love and Mm. compassion. Mm. It's not like saying yes to a child equals love and saying no equals sin, Mm. (laughs) you know, because you could say yes to a child and and not have the best, you could be doing that out of fear. Mm, like totally. that's, the, that's the truth as well. You can move yeah. through so many different things with either fear or love. Um, and that's where we have to just transcend dichotomy yeah. and duality and just yeah. be like, because there'd be so many things that my sister was saying that you're like, Melissa, I completely agree with you. Mm. <laughs> but then she would be like, no, but... <laughs> But it's like, I think with consciousness, it is all and it's all perfect too. And we even started using a different word for abortion because of how it's such a triggering vibration in society. Yeah. We start calling it a sacred choice and that we weren't wicked humans for choosing Mm. that path Mm. or or considering that path. Yeah, trying to really release guilt. Um, yeah, from that situation. Yeah. So easy to fall in into that, um, yeah, that vibration because it's so stigmatised. Yeah. 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 Um, I How, think, sorry. I was going to ask you a question. Yeah, <laughs> Um Yeah, as a man, um, not actually carrying the child or mm. moving through. Um, yeah, the termination of the pregnancy. How did you feel going through that situation? Oh, part of me felt um, like emasculated <laughs> and stupid even trying to understand. Like it was so hard for me to understand how you felt because I wasn't mm. caring. Mm. And to even ha- feel like should I even have a say in this when it's not my body and yeah. I don't have to go through the pain and this awesome human. Can you just... Oh, I'm just gonna... It was so hard to know how to really empathise with you, babes. Mm. And that, like, I, again, it's really difficult for me to, to bring articulation to this moment, not because I'm scared of, about it or feel any shame or guilt, but it's more so just like... Again, like how I felt was just like, I felt like I didn't know how to take charge and, Mm. um, you know, Mm. the best thing that I learned to do in that situation was to really just be completely present with you and to listen Mm. and to show and demonstrate my commitment to you and to your body. Um, Mm. But yeah, it was hard for me to really deeply empathize just just being a man mm. um and 
and not knowing how much I was to have a say because I was scared about manipulating you into not having a child because yeah. part of my manhood um, is making a plan and coming up with the, the <laughs> positives and negatives. Like he's very much yeah. like a construction engineering, reverse engineering. That's me. I'm a guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, which can sometimes bypass the spiritual and the human. Yeah. You know, because I was thinking yeah. about monetary, what about our careers? We want to tour. We want to live in Italy. We want to yeah. do this and we want to... Um, yeah, because then, then on the other side of that um, is me going like, like, oh my God, like he can still go out surfing and have fun and I'm like lying here like bedridden with like zero yeah. energy. Nauseous. Nauseous, like, and then not only that, having to actually go to the hospital. Yeah. And then move, physically move through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just for reference, we actually, I had to go through both uh, the medical abortion and then also the surgical one because um, the first, the medical abortion didn't clear. All the product. Yeah, all the product in, the, in my uterus. Um, so I also, what do you call it, a DNC? So yeah, had to um, yeah, get get that taken. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to even talk. But um, yeah, we had to move through both both uh, both abortion methods. Um, but yeah, for me to then actually move through that and know that Billy will never be able to fully understand what it feels like to go through that physically and emotionally and actually. Mm you know, know that there is a child yeah. um, or a potential, you know, residing within you. Yeah. But um, then sort of transcending that space, that's sort of the whole, the whole history of men and women trying to understand each other or yeah. at least, yeah, yeah. The, the masculine trying to understand the feminine in that way because it even comes back to, you know, our whole cycle and periods and mm. different emotions and, um, yeah, it's almost coming to a space of, of acknowledging that I will never be able to feel the pain that you do in this situation, yeah. but um, I will be there for you yeah. every step of the way and hold you in that space. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, babe, so good. Um, I think as we close out this little chapter, like <clears throat> it was tumultuous. Like that, within all of this, mm. we're having these conversations and I'm starting to really feel your heartbeat in all of this and mm. our connection is reigniting and we're resurfacing together. Um, but I'm still being... Like there's like a tsunami of like videos from my brother pleading for me to not go a certain path, mm. saying that he'll adopt the child, saying that all this stuff, like my sister-in-law sending me these videos of her crying and pouring out her heart to you and calling her, yeah. calling you sister. And no one, some of these people I hadn't even met you before. But there was just like, I think the principle that I learned and there's like absolutely no anger towards my family and this listenership. Like I, my family, I talked to them for an hour before. I love them so much. 
and they're aware of this conversation. But I think one of the biggest takeaways from that whole curriculum, curriculum learning experience was consent, mm. empowerment, Sylvie's yeah. intuition. Like there was no, hey, Billy, what does Sylvie want? She's 21. She's experienced this. How does she feel? Yeah. And just sitting with that and knowing that she mm. has sovereignty. Oh, but you don't have sovereignty. Your body is God's. You know, it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's God's really. Yeah. Like, okay. Anyway. Or it's the child's now. So just, yeah. <laughs> the child doesn't we, have a choice. We actually ended up coming up with the term um, perspective rape. Yeah. Because, you know, when someone like really like gives you their perspective and you never like actually- Good intentions can, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that next. Um, but- you never actually consented to hearing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also want to acknowledge that this conversation and that perspective is also coming from an honourable place, you know? Yeah. Um, like I, I do, I see so much truth in yeah. in that perspective as well, yeah, you know? Yeah, we didn't take it lightly. Yeah, yeah, like life, like, yeah, you don't take life lightly no. and we don't take sex lightly no. now either, you know? <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah. I think it it comes back to a space of individual sovereignty, of choice within everything, mm. um, and allowing people to move through their own path. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, yeah. I absolutely respect respect um those perspectives as well. I just, yeah, I also found that um, it's the, for me, the best thing that anyone could ever have done for me in that time is I love you no matter what decision you make Mm. and I will support you no matter what. Like I have no agenda Mm. um, to speak to you. Yeah. Um, this is this is your time and your decision. Yeah. Because in the end, if you have a child, like these people telling you their perspectives aren't going to be the ones raising yeah, the baby. <laughs> sure. It was beautiful having Dougie, Dougie mom, Dougie, <laughs> Dougie friends from the temper trap just became our brother yeah. over the holidays. And he was just, he was the second person I ever told. And he just said to me, you know what? You got this, bro. Yeah. And that was kind of it. How's Sylvie? How are you? Mm. Let's go surfing. It was so simple. Yeah. And again, feeling empowered as a man, feeling that I could just be present with you. Yeah. You could tell that I was really rattled and pretty off the whole situation of, you know, trying to have fun when you were going through this and I was going through, you know, it was just a really, everyone was celebrating around us. Mm. And we're in this second layer of hell. (laughs) Like, because it really shook our relationship too. Oh, yeah. It was a real test of character. It was, of how, yeah. But my old meditation teacher, Andrew Marsh, used to always say, it's in the spontaneous that we know wisdom. Mm. You know, it's like it's in those moments that aren't planned. How yeah. do you respond after a shockwave? This was a huge textbook shockwave. And, but, you know, out of all this, babes, you yeah. have blossomed. Mm. Y- your your feminine power, your womanhood, your glow has just become so much brighter and more robust. Mm. Um, your authenticity. Yeah. Um, and it's, your confidence. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like it really stretched us, but we've literally just 
grown into the most, maybe the, the happiest months of our lives, you know. Yeah, in yeah. In the last little while. Thank and you, babe. Yeah, together. Um, mm. But I just really want to honour you in all mm. of that as not only my queen, quote unquote, but just as like a fucking badass, beautiful human oh. that's just come through it all. And like we don't know, like the pangs of this moment could come up Oh, Again, yeah. you know, and it's like it's a long time of processing. It's, and yeah, it's not. We're over. still kids with it in a lot of ways, and we don't we don't negate any of that. But yeah. at this point in time, your presence and your desire for elevation and mm-hmm. evolution of of self. Yeah. yeah thank you, babe. So, honor you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also just want to take this moment to speak directly to any women who yeah. have also been through this experience that I see you and um, it's, oh my God, what, like, what a journey to go through and to reflect on. Um, But you are so, so strong and so capable. And, you know, this ability, we we have a reminder of this ability to create life um, every month. You know, it runs through us as a rhythm and a cycle. Yeah. Um, we have this incredible um, ability connect to connect with nature and um, and yeah, the rhythms of the moon in this way as well. Um, but yeah, I just really want to honor all the women who have been through this um, and anyone who is looking for support to absolutely reach out to us. Um, yeah. yeah, if you ever want to talk about anything. Um, we're not perfect, but but it's it's so good to reach out to your community to ask for help, um, and even just yeah to normalize the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also to honor all the women who have chosen to go through with pregnancies. Yeah. How beautiful. So beautiful. What like wow, <laughs> beautiful initiation responsibility. Yeah. Blessings to you. World out there, thank you for tuning in. This is the stunning Sylvie Kettle. And babe, thank you for sharing today. Mm. Incredible mind you have, honestly. Mm. And your story um, and your expression is so um, contagious and (laughs) uplifting and life-affirming. Fam, thank you so much for tuning in and... Please reach out to Sylvie, like you said, through her DMs on her Instagram, Kettle mm. Paints. She has a website. All of her art is there. There's a sale on a couple of her pieces right now from her last exhibition. Mm. Get them. Yeah. There's two pieces left before and they also And I have a new collection coming mid-September. Fenton and Fenton. Yeah. Um, we're going to tune out. It's been a long chat, but it's been a good chat. Mm. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Billy babe. Otto. Thank you for causing me to make love with the present moment yeah. like I make love to you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a quote from David Data. The, the way of the superior man. I love you, world. This is my beautiful woman. Him I want to marry. I have many kids. <laughs> Four sons. <laughs> love you.
Thank you for listening to the Beginning of Us podcast. This podcast is created on Bunjalung land, just south of Byron Bay. We pay our respects to the original custodians of this land. If this episode has connected with you, please leave a comment, share the episode on your Instagram stories, and subscribe to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. The Beginning of Us is produced by Billy Otto. The theme music is by Billy Otto and Caleb Tusker. Technical direction by Elias Perez. Find out all about Billy's many mindful projects and music by Instagram at, at Billy Otto. Blessings to you and a mistake.